From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast and I'm the bomb. Happy Tutu Tuesday and welcome to Burncast. In this episode, I talk with the artist Sean O'Donohue and his close friends about his art project, Green Shoes, that was brought to Burning Man in 2007. But first, the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. Before we begin, I need to clarify that this is being recorded on Tuesday, July 28th, a week before it's going to be uploaded to iTunes and announced on my blog. The reason is because I'm leaving for Kansas for a family matter this Saturday, August 1st, and I'll be gone for two weeks. This may or may not affect my blog postings to our website at burncast.tv. It all depends on my internet connectivity when I'm there. It will most definitely affect our uploads to iTunes as Lecter, the guy who's in charge of all that, is in Chicago for the next two weeks visiting with his family. To find out what's happening to our podcast schedule, check into burncast.tv or follow Burncast on Twitter for updates. Having said that, at the time of this recording, there are two very important news developments about burners in the community. The first one is from Elias Sorokin, who, like I said, at the time of this recording, has been missing for the last eight days. He's from Los Angeles, but was last seen in Oakland. Because the facts surrounding his story may have changed since this recording, I advise you to join the Facebook group called Concerned Friends of Elias slash Elijah that's been set up to help people to stay connected with his story. Hopefully, by the time this episode of Burncast gets uploaded, he will be safely back with his friends and family. At this time, I will only continue to hold positive thoughts for him. Next up on the Burncast Community Bulletin Board is some really great news. Just today, on the Help Holly Heal blog set up by the family of Hollis Hawthorne, it was posted by her first cousin that Hollis spoke for the first time since her accident. The story goes, Hollis, in a very soft, quiet voice, uttered the words, I love you, Mom. So far, this is all that Hollis has said, but oh, what sweet words. I highly recommend that you follow this blog, helphollyheal.blogspot.com, for the latest news. Okay, that's it for the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. Like I said, I'm going to be in Kansas from August 1st to August 14th. I'll be in a small town called Pittsburgh. If any Midwest burners are out there, please give me a shout. I'd love to connect with you. All right, let's move on with today's episode. Shauna O'Donohue, also known as Shano, is an award-winning designer, illustrator, and photographer who received a grant from the Black Rock City LLC for an art project entitled Green Shoes that was taken to Black Rock City in 2007. We even recorded an interview with Shauna before Burning Man in which he told us about the concept of the piece and a bit about the philosophy behind it. You can find that episode in the iTunes store. It's free, don't forget. It's episode number 48, entitled Shano and the Green Shoes. I was a volunteer for the Green Shoes project that year and assisted Shano on the project for the first week before Burning Man, but then, when the event started, I went to work on my own project, of course, which is Burncast. I visited the Green Shoes site during the week, and every time I showed up, the project seemed nowhere near completion. Each time I saw Shono, he told me all about the trials, tribulations, and setbacks. But I know that Green Shoes is not the only project beset with problems ever to come to Burning Man. The Mechabolic, for which I camped nearby that year, was also experiencing a buttload of technical difficulties. And it got me thinking about the challenges facing artists coming to Black Rock City. As the week progressed, I lost touch with Shano and his crew, and it wasn't until Saturday night, way after the man had burned, that I found them huddled up at the center of Green Shoes called The Hub. 
We were all exhausted when I snuggled up with them and recorded this episode of Burncast. This recording is a bit more relaxed than most of the other podcast interviews I do, and it's due in part to the fact that I was dead tired and also I was amongst friends. This recording features Shano, his lovely fiancée Simone, who is now his wife, and our really dear friend Alex. Let's listen. That's just that's, a that's clip. just yeah exactly. <laughs> beautiful, it's beautiful. I love Burning Man. You do? I, I really do. What do you love about Burning Man? Burning Man, um, hmm, it's just it's such an expression of greatness and the ability to light up fireworks in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. or experience some amazing art. There's, there's so oh. many things that you can do. Wow, aren't those beautiful? Yeah. Okay, so you came up to... <laughs> you came up to my camp one day looking for what? I was looking for a John Cougar Melon Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever find it? It was a really fucked up situation. <laughs> but oh. yeah, I found it. What happened? Well, I, I just was riding around forever, and they said it was at 4.30, and I went to 4.30, and it wasn't at 4.30. It was at 3 or 3.30 or something, and there was a tower, and the person I was looking for wasn't there, and then it just didn't matter anymore, but I'd found John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> now, you actually came by the Burn Cow Sound Studio to do a podcast. What, what were you going to present me with? Uh, the conspiracy behind um, the, the Burning Man burn. Oh, and what had you heard? I, I heard that it was a disgruntled DPW worker who, who helped build the man and then got upset because they hired a union crew to do it and he climbed up there and lit him on fire. <laughs> That's about the gist of it. Just the just and gist. All right. It's been a long nine days here. Why is that? Where are we? We're, we're sitting on the hub of the green shoes. Tell me about the past nine days. Well, which day do you want to know about? Because I don't even know what day it is right now except nine. Okay, I, I stopped participating after Monday of the event. What happened after Monday? After Monday, gosh, Monday, Tuesday. I don't remember Wednesdays, Thursday, or Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday's kind of a blur still, but... All right. So we are sitting here on top of the hub of the Green Shoes Project with the artist and his crew, Sean O'Donohue, his lovely fiance Simone, and Alex. Um, do you want to give me your last name? I don't know my last name. Oh, I don't know it either. That's not that good. That's good. Sean, when did, was this project finally completed? Um, actually, it's not finally completed. <laughs> it just uh, lights up and makes some noise. Which is really good, which we're really happy about. Well, what do you mean it's not completed? It's pulsing, the shoes are flashing. It is what it is. I mean, that we struggled night and day. We <laughs> fought. It was a very Greek installation with thunder and brimstone and sandstorms. And I picture Simone sprawled out on the top of the hub, holding it down so the winds wouldn't blow it away with her goggles and her hat brim pulled down and her sand mask on just white I could just see her I could just see her through the haze of, of the sand I'm talking about yeah some things are lighting up and we're really happy about that 
So tell me about um, some of the other challenges you, that you encountered. And also, can you give us the factoid about how many miles of wire are in this project? Factoid, 12 miles of wire. Factoid, about 10 switches, all of which failed, which control the, the entire piece, the installation. Factoid, two master boards brought here and blew up. A third one had to be created on site from parts. Oh, uh, man. oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's talk about backwards wiring because of miscommunication with sunstroke volunteers blowing out half the shoes before we even have the wire in the ground. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> wow. So, a lot of challenges. A fair, a, a fair number. <laughs> now I heard you had an encounter with Lady B. Can you tell us that story? <laughs> Harsh. Well, the encounter was very funny. I thought I came in, you know, uh, like four days, and it was probably Thursday. I knew I was pushing the time, you know, when things are still not doing what they're supposed to do. And I saw Lady B, and I said, hi. And she said, when do you think it'll be up? <laughs> and I still probably had, like, the sand drift on my forehead uh, from having, you know, been out here. And I said, um, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> she, and she just kind of walked away from me, and I thought, wow. Ouch. I bet they've seen everything. They must have seen artists come in, like, with limbs torn off, trying to get their pieces done. And, like, well, we'll be there. No, no, we're on it. We're on it. <laughs> it's harsh. It's a tough place. Well, um, last night on, uh, what, what, last night, wait, what burned last night, man and, and Dara and the, uh, crude awakening, okay, I'm a little mixed up. The Mechabolic finally made a push. Really? That's yeah. what I heard. I was so, I was so happy to hear that. I felt like, I saw his presentation at the Burning Man office and I really thought it was great. I thought he was a great guy. Uh, Mason. Yeah, and so when I heard he was out here struggling, I haven't talked to him since we've been out here, but I just loved the sort of compatriotism of coming out here and just working like hell to just make it come together. And I also really appreciated the Burning Man uh, funding projects like theirs, mm -hmm. which is it's so wild and huge and amazing. I think it's no wonder he's out here pulling his hair out, trying to get it to work. And I just thought, great, you know, that's all it's about, right? Just get out here and try to do it. And uh, you, you've succeeded in a, as a measure. I'm sure, how does the project compare to your, your vision and what has actually presented itself here tonight? You know, I'm not sure exactly how to say that, but I, how to answer, because Obviously, I mean, the piece is, is really functioning. People are walking through it and people are having a great time. People are coming and, and sitting on the hub and getting sucked into the heartbeat and falling back and breathing deep. And that feels really fantastic. On the other side, I thought, you know, as far as whatever it is about doing this piece, I thought when we were here and I was on my hands and knees, as were many, many people volunteering, just digging through this dirt you know, through the playa. And I really got an appreciation at one point because I thought, you know, we come here in many ways and we go here or there toward the bright lights, you know, and we listen to this or go away from that or whatever. But to be here in the middle of the day in, the, in this desert, just digging, 
I thought, I really appreciated a chance to really get to know this place. I felt like I really know this place. There's something invested to be out here just digging day after day, trying to make something appear here. I focused on that more than, so when I see this now, I kind of feel the, the, the movement of all of that, just getting it to appear here and feeling like it's invested, it's different. My experience is different of this place because of that. There's a, a more of a sense of place than I think I've ever had in my previous trips to Burning Man. How about more of, what kind of a sense, because you've actually done this installation in different art incarnations, so what is the sense of this incarnation of this project? Part of what's really, really interesting is having access to so many people. To be here, and like I said, with this hub, we made this hub and we put the nice beat in it, Jerry Baserman did this great beat. Do you, can you describe it, the, what, the, what the audience can hear behind your voice? What's happening right now behind my voice is there's a drone. Jerry made several drone beats. And uh, all I, I said to him, it's the, we're, on a, we're sitting on a round dais, really. It's, a, it's a, a green disc that pulses as the heartbeat pulses. It flickers with light, bump, bump, like that. It reflects the beat. And... Um, Outer, and it's so underneath the drone are a series of subwoofers that are playing a low, low tone and a, a sub beat for the whole installation out around us, flickering from time to time. You'll hear bird calls or uh, laughter or different natural sounds from the world, and also human synthesized sounds, as well, like piano as well as synthetic. And um, what was the question? Oh, I was asking you to describe what we were hearing behind us, in, behind your voice. Well, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Simone, do you want to say anything? I'm incredibly happy that the piece is up. I needed a victory, and this is great. I mean, it's not what we intended it to be, but it's still incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy to have that incredible sense of accomplishment, because I needed it. You describe this project as these are 300 pairs of shoes, correct? Um, no, we were down to 260. Okay, so you're down to 200. But you said you described all these shoes as your children. Yeah, I really felt that uh, Wednesday night after setback, after setback, after setback. Shano and I came out and slept on the hub, and I brought some sage out and I smudged all the shoes off, and we gave an offering to the playa and bless the shoes and just in doing that act I was singing some prayers to them and all of a sudden really felt that sense of these are our children you know these are uh, so much love and care and thought has gone into all of these and we're really concerned about them we're here yelling at people for riding bikes through them and dusting them off after a dust storm and yeah it's intense I've never done anything like this before tell her about the elder oh I stopped um I stopped on my, I've made the trip three times from the Bay Area here in order to make this piece be. And on my... Do you want to talk about that just real quick? Uh, what, doing the trip three times? All I have to say is every time it happens, all that shit that could possibly go wrong happens. So I went through it three times. Flat tires, rented trucks, glass spills on bridges, sort of all of the, all of the snafus. Three times, yeah, exactly. Burning Man war stories. And you're a virgin. Yes, I'm a virgin. And I think in a lot of ways, I'm still a virgin. It's kind of like I've only been fingered by the playa. 
Why do you say that? <laughs> because I haven't. We've worked so hard on this piece. All of our time has gone to it, and there's a lot of things I haven't done. We we haven't. We never went. Dan- well, we went to the deep end for about an hour in a whiteout. That was pretty cool. But other than that, we haven't been out. We haven't gotten lost. We never even got lost anywhere. And it was hard to get her out even for that because she was so blown out by this process. I said to her, we're like going back, we're riding bikes back to the camp. And I said to her, hey, I know we're being pushed away from the piece because there's a wall of white coming toward us, right? So we say, you know what, let's pack up and go this time, right? Let's not weather this entire whiteout. So I said to her on the way back, hey, how about if we just go out and um, check out the neighborhood, maybe, you know, find some nice spots. And she got so mad at me. I said, no, really, I mean it in a good way. I mean, really, she just so didn't get it. And we had this whole time about it. We finally went out and had a great time in the whiteout, yeah. in the deep end and yeah. around different places and got, you know, just different offerings from people and what other people were up to. And it was so sweet. But it was funny to me that we were in such a harsh place. Offering that to her yeah. as our break was like so not adequate. So okay, so let me let me guide you back. You're talking about three trips back and forth since you arrived at Burning Man on Okay, the Wednesday the Wednesday before Burning Man opened. Okay. I arrived for the first time and then slept two and a half hours and hopped back in the car and drove back. Thursday night, when I was supposed to be making my second trip, our trailer lights didn't work so we had to spend the night on top of the plywood trailer on a little tiny thermarest because <laughs> it was all loaded and full of stuff that we didn't want stolen so it's been an adventure okay. let's leave it at that tell her about the elder though yeah that's what i'm getting at i still okay. don't know what the third trip was but forget it let's just get to the elder okay so the elder so on my way out the third time i stopped in nixon to call the ride okay. that i was going to be coming back out here with and one of the um tribal elders walked by and had a sh- an emblem on his shirt with three feathers on it. So I stopped and I asked him, told him that I was coming to the playa for the first time and really wanted to have a more spiritual rather than drug-based experience and asked if there was any special way to, you know, honor the playa in the way that his people do. Mm-hmm. And he told us to give a to a tobacco offering to the playa and to you know, the first thing he said was if you respect her, she'll respect you. And you just have to remember to treat her with respect. And then he recommended giving a tobacco offering. So that was sort of part of our reckoning with the land as we were losing the struggle and getting the shoes up was to give an offering and sing some songs. Do you think Black Rock City as a community? Drink. Drink. We have wine. Um, do you think Black Rock City as a community? Stand by. <laughs> respects, wine service. Respects the playa? Oh, No. I mean, I, I know, let's put it this way, there are people who realize that there has to be intense cleanup and the end result needs to look like we respect it, but the reality is people are really sloppy here. There's a lot of a lot of carelessness, I think. Tell um, them t- tonight, tonight oh, what happened. Oh, yeah, so tonight I went to the medical center because someone threw an aerosol can into one of the burn pits and it flew out and hit me in the chest. So, yeah, people don't respect the flyer. You know, it's amazing, really. Hit you in the chest, and you had to be taken to medical, correct? Yeah. What? Shano told the story in a very amusing way because it was very horrifying. Can Hello. you tell us exactly what happened? 
Yeah, we were watching the temple burn, and right after it collapsed, we walked up to a fire pit, and we're just standing there. We'd seen a moving van pulling away that they'd been trying to dump a carpet into there, and one of the rangers had stopped them. And so I'm guessing they probably are the ones who also dumped this can that exploded. And I saw it flying at me. I put my hand in front of my chest, and it just nailed me, really, you know, fortunately right in the sternum. So do you have an abrasion or a bruise or anything oh, like that? Oh, yeah, my hand's cut, and I've got a like a brush burn pussy looking thing on my chest yeah sexy <laughs> <laughs> wow right at your heart jeez yeah alright who's your other friend here um, I know we started this interview but let's, let's bring it back to him we started we started with Alex the incredible Alex <laughs> everywhere all the time Alex you win, he wins a prize for being the cutest guy on the playa I think <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. And, and Spirit of the Year Award. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Alex is the man. My favorite quote from Alex is, Let's talk, what? Wait, what did you say? Let's talk more walk. Let's talk more walk. What are you talking about? What did that mean? Well, it just means people like to talk a lot. They're out on the playa. They think it's party time. We're digging trenches and sledgehammering security and, and, and wiring. And people just want to talk. It's, it's time to time to walk, not talk. Yeah. That's it. And it happened. It, it finally did happen. And it's it's an amazing accomplishment. It feels wonderful to have succeeded and have people enjoying it and walking through it and just going, wow, this is incredible. It feels great. It feels great. It really does. It's been so amazing to have Alex uh, on the crew and just being that, that voice. Really, he cracks that whip and it's really it's really, really good. Because sometimes when, for me, when there's so much to do and deal with and such, it's hard to see. I think sometimes he saw more clearly than I did what needed to happen when and would really pitch in and do it, you know, and get it done. And it was really fantastic. Really fantastic. Do you have any advice for um, other artists coming to the playa and then uh, maybe having some serious challenges like you had? Wow, I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, you know, come forward. Come forward. Someone was making a joke about installing a piece out here. I mean, after you install here, <laughs> you can you can install anything anywhere, <laughs> right? Like, what could you not install? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like boot camp. It's like the Marine Corps of installation art. You know, landing on the shores of Mars. <laughs> It's good. It's good. It's really good to get here. All the people who, who had all the difficulties, people who said as we were starting out, you know, like you, you just can't do electronics, microelectronics on the playa. And Tim Black, actually, who does the uh, line around the, the perimeter line around the man uh, for the last few years, I guess, gave us advice. And so many people came forward to give us advice to tell us how to do it. I feel like only by throwing out a ludicrous idea of doing a massive, really difficult and, and sensitive piece, we got so many people come forward and tell us how to do it. And I don't know, I thought the other day as I was out here doing the, this wiring, how much I've learned and how much I view systems differently because of having to tried to create this thing out here. And, you know, we all come out here to the playa and we learn. We get better, we acquire solar panels, we acquire this, we acquire that, we learn about how to do things. And I think it's really good. 
So as an artist, same thing on a totally different level than as a, you know, as a camper or visitor, whatever you call it. But as an artist, it's the same thing. You know, you come out here and you just acquire skills like mad just to put it together. What's the biggest lesson you learned here on this project? Well, I actually used a pickaxe for more time than ever in my life. Is that learning? Yeah. yeah. Occupational learning. What did I learn? What did I learn? Ooh, something about really seeing it through mm-hmm. and the amazing emotional ride of getting here and yeah just perseverance being able to really see through and a lot of learning like uh, how to do things a lot of change of approach I think in to trying to do such a thing again it's like realizing, realize, thinking ahead what a task will be is so different from doing a task. And so I feel like now, well, yeah, I don't know what to say more. Thank you very much, Shano, Simone, Alex. Thank you very much. Thanks, you know bomb. bomb. Bomb, bomb, bomb. It's the bomb. It's the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you. Love you. Yeah. Tell us about your experience. Good evening, Bomb. <laughs> Hi, Alex. So so here we are at uh, Burning Man on uh-huh. Sunday night after the temple. Well, first of all, what's been your highlight of Burning Man this year? It's actually... Uh, you have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. For more information, visit our blog at burncast.tv. Follow us on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook. To contact us, please call 775-363-5861 or send us an email at burncast at gmail.com. Music in today's episode is entitled George by Chris Harvey, available at magnatune.com. A very special thanks to Lecter of nospectators.com for hosting these podcasts.